Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA number 142. <laughs> so this is the post dam show. Uh, let me make sure the, yep, perfect. My, sometimes when the replay kicks, sometimes the audio kicks in. Uh, before we get started, since there's a bunch of you already on, I want to make some quick, I got my sheet of stuff to talk about. Plus we got questions to answer. We uh, didn't have an episode last week because of the NAM show. So I'm sure we'll talk about that, hopefully. A um, couple things to remind you guys in the link or in the description right now, you can see that if you're watching this show on the rebroadcast, you can listen to it as a podcast. It's on iTunes and other platforms. I put a link to the iTunes. So if you just want to listen to it in the car, a lot of people seem to consume this that way. Uh, you can do that. Also, if you're also new and you see the uh, the title of whatever the question become, that becomes highlighted, there's a question index. I index all the questions and put that down there so you can just check quickly. And maybe not if you're not interested in the entire hour broadcast, just what we were talking about. Pick what you want to listen to and go that way. So very cool. So a lot of cool things to talk about. Uh, another thing, another new option, a thing I want to put you tell you about it's in the description is I was doing this thing called Reachable. It's an app where you can contact me and there's a like a monthly fee and um, it, it guarantees you uh, responses within 48 hours. Uh, and uh, I wanted to test that. It's been doing very well. I've been able to get 99% of the questions answered in 48 hours. And that's good considering I've been traveling a lot. So, and I, I probably 100%, but just in case I missed one, uh, if I did I only miss one, you guys have really gravitated towards it, which is really good. Uh, but a new option, and it's in the description down below, is a new phone number option. And the reason I'm telling you about that is because uh, Reachable set it up in a really cool way. So there's a phone number, it's 480. You got to hit 11 first. There's an area code. You got to be in the US, unfortunately. Uh, otherwise, you have to do the app. But it's uh, 480-386-1305. That's the phone number. You can text me. It's free to text me once. So if you want to send me a message, you can send me a message uh, or ask me a question. And then after that, uh, it says, oh, let's I'm going to read what they wrote. <laughs> it says, hey, want to chat or ask questions with Reachable? You can text me and receive a quick guaranteed response. Just text that number I said, and I'll respond within 48 hours. First message is free. After that, you can become a member for a small fee if you want to continue conversations. I did that because of the fact, like I said, we've talked about the emails. I just don't get to enough of your guys' emails. There's just no way. And all this traveling and all this other stuff and making content really it makes it impossible to do that. So I'm just letting you guys know that's an option. Again, choose to do it your uh, at your leisure if you'd like. But I thought the cool thing was, if you want to send me a message, you can send me a message and just one, it, it won't cost anything. And uh, I'm definitely with the reachable system. I've been faster because of the way it organizes the messages for me. It's very cool. Um, so let you know about that. And then, because there's, this is going to be the definitely the list of things to talk about. Uh, also, also, uh, I will also make sure the phone number is on uh, all of my contact information on the website from now on too. So something there there as well. The other thing that I want to tell you is there's a channel called Kenneth Russell. Kenneth, K-E-N-I-S. And again, all this is in the description or below. Uh, his channel got hacked. And he lost his channel, 50,000 subscribers. He's a gear channel. Very cool channel. I've always liked Kenneth's stuff. Um, and uh, basically, uh, he's trying to rebuild the channel back up. I'm letting you guys know, especially if you were a viewer of his, I put a link to his new channel. And uh, so you guys can get 
there you can go, <laughs> right? You can, uh, you can, uh, you can uh, go back and, and subscribe to him. And if you're new, you can check him out. He's got new material, new videos up and uh, you can check that out. The, uh, the thing that I also want to tell you is if you have a channel, it's very important. I don't, I'm not saying it's going to save you, but it's definitely helpful to have a two point authentication for your YouTube channel. Uh, I find it's, uh, it's just another level of security. Um, unfortunately, YouTube does very little to help you when you start out. They don't tell you anything. Google is not Google is not an information giver. It's an information seeking system. In other words, you have to know what to ask to learn from Google, and especially Google uh, in the YouTube world. So the reason I tell you that is if you have a small channel, even if it's a small channel, guys, please make sure you set that up to two point authentication so that what happens is if you ever log into a computer anywhere, even if they have your exact password, it, it messages your phone and then you have to approve it through your phone. So they have to have, they have to be in your phone and do that at the same time. You know what I mean? So again, I don't, I don't even trust that, but I, but I mean, do that at the minimum. So there you go. Just go ahead and Google that as well. And then when I index it, I'll make sure I, maybe I can put, you know, where the resource for that is on YouTube. I got some super chats already. But let's do the uh, let's do what I want to do right now is find the very first couple questions. Um, okay, so Seth, you were the first question of the day, so I want to try doing that. The very first question of the day, I want to make sure you you were here before the show started. Let's uh, let's treat you with some respect. Thank you, Seth, for uh, hanging out. It says Seth Presley sets up guitars. Says and by the way, question marks at the beginning. Thank you, Seth. That's awesome. Says attenuate or a five to one watt for home practice. You know, I've kind of given up on the five to one watt thing. Um, I like them, but what I've really learned is there's something about. I mean, trust me, a hundred watt amp sounds fantastic. 50 Watts, you know, 25 Watts. I find that I would, I would rather attenuate an amp or find a good, an amp that's maybe 25 to 50 Watts that actually sounds good quiet more so than just try to drive these one and five watt amps. Now keep in mind that there's, I'm not saying not to get the five watt under one watt amps. I love them, but you're asking me, which one do I prefer? And, um, and I'm taking, that's the question. I know you're kind of saying, what do I suggest to you, to you, but I always suggest, I always just tell you what I do. And then you have to, you know, gauge yourself from that. Cause it's, it's just too hard to figure out what everybody else should do. I just give you my my personal journey. So my personal thing is I prefer my 25, 20 watt, 50 watt amps over my one watt and five watt amps, but not because they're not good, just because I prefer them. There you go. That was the first question of the day. Thank you, Seth. That was cool of you. Uh, let's hit a super chat because a couple of those popped in real quick. Uh, Skarma Guitar just said, love you, buddy. Thank you, Skarma Guitar. I'm, I know you're feeling better, and uh, it's good to hear that. And uh, he's sending a guitar for, a, I think we're doing a Sharpen Max uh, giveaway thing. I'm pretty excited about that, so we'll talk about that. Uh, Carlos Loomis says, hey, Phil, my Charvel with JB and 59 humbuckers. Wait. He says hums, not humbuckers. He says, hey, Phil, my Charvel with JB and 59s. Okay, so it's a newer one because that's stock with them or you replaced them. Uh, it hums even when not coil tapped. It gets worse when you do. It gets it gets worse when you do. Then he stopped. Is this normal? I don't know what these do, but that's okay. We'll get through this. The wiring is good. Uh, no cuts or frays. Okay, so got a crazy question for you, Carlos. A couple things. You're saying the wiring is good and I'm going to trust that since you're, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to trust you. <laughs> Let's start there. Let's start. Um, so, um, 
what I want to ask you is some strange questions. I'm going again, assuming that the uh, the uh, the wiring is good. What I want to know is when you touch the bridge, the strings or any component or the output jack, anything does the humming stop? Because that's what you kind of you want to make sure. If the humming stops, that's a good sign. If it's not, and if it's continuous when you're touching that stuff, you might have a problem. The other thing I want to ask you is a strange question. Strange question: Are you using coded strings? Sometimes when you use coded strings, the coding prevents. Now even in a Floyd Rose, because they clamp, sometimes the coding prevents the string, the metal from the string touching any of the other metal components of the, uh, whether it's the, uh, the, the bridge, you're right. Or, or tuning keys, which are not as important, but the bridge definitely. And so I'm curious if you could comment, uh, uh, I'll, I'll watch for you. And if guys could highlight or give me the answer, uh, if you're using coded strings, that could be a problem. So you, you don't have to stop using coded strings. Uh, a little trick I've learned is to just scrape off some of the coding and make sure it's touching right at the bridge. I know it's a crazy thing. It's really more common with bass strings, coded bass strings, but it's possible that could be the problem. It's possible. Um, other than that, so definitely you gotta be either defective part or wiring. So, all right. Uh, I have Nathan, my buddy, Nathan. He just did a super chat. Thanks, Nathan. You're such a strange guy. I love him. I love him. Great hangs at the show. It was awesome. Uh, we had lunch together. Nathan did, took over my uh, Instagram, uh, <laughs> and he did a fantastic job. In fact, more Instagram followers, uh, was great. And, uh, he was doing a great job. In fact, I would kind of, I think he should rent my Instagram all the time. Just I'll interject some stuff every day and he should do the other stuff. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, but it was cool. And he says, can't wait till next year. Uh, maybe we don't have to wait till next year to see each other again. I'm kind of planning to be on that side of the country at least once or maybe twice this year. Uh, I know there's more super chats, but I want to go to the regular questions and grab some regular questions. Um, what do we got as they, as they scroll by, you know, it's weird as my screen there, it's fixed. My screen is weird. And again, super chats, you get pinned. So in other words, I'll, I'll make sure I put you aside so I can come back to you. Um, and I'm looking also, did anybody, did he mention whether or not they were coded strings? Let me go anyone say i'm just curious since we're still on that subject um okay uh i don't know we'll come back to it uh martin roder thank you again for question marks first says hey phil what was the worst thing you saw at the nam show that you advised us to stay away from oh it's always tough to pick on stuff you know i'm not gonna say it's worst i'll tell you the weird thing did you guys see uh reverb i'll put a link when i do the index reverb did a video on it probably others too but i saw reverbs the the pedals that you add liquids to and i saw the interview i was there at the show and it was like if you put dr pepper that distortion sounds different than if you put uh coffee or uh nail polish remover or water, depending on the liquid, the distortion sound. I swear, I still don't know if that's, they were punking everybody at the show. I mean, it looked real, <laughs> but it's one of those things you're like, are they, are they messing with us? <laughs> I mean, they were so serious and you're like, and, and that's what kind of made me think they were punking us because you think with something like that, you acknowledge, I know this sounds crazy. I know, uh, you know, but it works. You know what I mean? But instead it was like, uh, it was a matter of fact, like, of course, different, Different fluids make different distortions. If you guys haven't seen it, it's definitely worth watching. I'd love you guys' input. Uh, I don't know. And again, I'm not saying that's the worst thing at the show. I'm just thinking, I don't know if I got punked. So if I was getting punked, that was the worst thing. If I wasn't getting punked, it might be the coolest thing. How funny is that? Um, 
And then, so you don't think I'm copping out on the worst thing thing. Uh, the worst thing at the show is always the, 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 in the, in hall E, which is the, the basement. Uh, there's always, uh, like there's always weird companies selling weird stuff. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like Chinese knockoff metronomes, you know what I mean? It's always like some kind of weird knockoff thing and, uh, or some horrible looking knockoff guitars that are supposed to be like copies of other guitars, but they're so bad that you're just like, this is, this is really bad. You know what I mean? Uh, that was pretty much the worst stuff. Um, my favorite this year though, wor favorite worst thing was, um, there was a video game section in the hall e like you i didn't even understand i went by twice and i'm like is, are, is am i missing something that they have video games and you could play video games you could play the video games or you could do virtual reality games and i was like huh and i i know musicians play video games i know that i'm just thinking it's a guitar show so i don't know thought that was strange so those would be my worst highlights of the show which so you know i had to reach for those because it was the best show i've been to in 16 years and we'll talk about that hopefully uh, cause there's some stuff on my list I want to talk about. <laughs> so, uh, what else do we got? We got, uh, let's do another super chat. Hold on. Uh, the drunken scoundrel. I always love that name. It says, Hey, have you ever cleaned black mold from a guitar? Not from a guitar. I had a company. Do you guys remember when I got that Marshall 212 with black mold? Um, they, I had to have a company come out. Um, my son has asthma. And uh, my wife freaked out. I live in it, like I said, Arizona, so you guys know. It's very dry here. Um, I, I, I'm very aware that people who live like coastal uh, and where it's wet <laughs> and where it's wet, uh, you know, don't freak about black mold. But here it's a freaky thing. We're not around anything like snow freaks us out because you don't see it. Right. So you're driving and snows it freaks out. So black mold freaks out. And plus having a son with asthma, I, we take it very seriously. So uh, when that cabinet had uh, mold, I had a company come out and clean that and then clean the house. I will tell you this. This is what sucks about the black mold gig. Um, the companies that come out, of course, they found mold. They right. I'm not saying I don't even know if they, it had mold. I just smelled moldy and I called the company out and they came out and they go, yeah, it has mold. <laughs> oh, and it's in your house now too. And I'm like, of course it is. Of course it is. Right. Um, and of course, uh, you know, as, as a concerned father, I'm like, yep, well clean it. So they did. So, um, they cleaned it. Uh, I didn't watch how they did it. And then, um, that's the cabinet I returned in exchange for a brand new cabinet. Uh, and then I'm pretty sure Chicago music exchange just sold that cabinet. It's kind of funny. They didn't know I cleaned it though. I didn't tell anybody. Uh, that was my wife. I, I would like to say that I would have cleaned it as a thing, but really it was came moldy and I was going to send it back. But my wife's like, you can't send it back. <laughs> you got to clean it. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So we had it cleaned and we sent back. Um, so, uh, and it still was moldy when they cleaned it. It still smelled bad. So I don't know. But uh, to answer your question, no, I've never cleaned black mold from a guitar. Um, I've cleaned rust off a guitar from salt water from... There was a hurricane on the East Coast and one of the guitars was brought to me was really damaged in it. And that was tedious, but it wasn't mold. So I don't know. I'm not I, like I said where I live. Mold is just not something you see very often. Uh, it's too dry. It's a dry climate. Very dry uh, all year round. <laughs> 24 seven. I think they said the average humidity in the home in Arizona is like six percent humidity, something like that. So um, Dale says, Phil, you mentioned folks don't usually go for fancier strats and tellies. I saw the Aerodyne Japanese strat. I had to get it looked really cool. Yeah, of course. I love the Aerodyne stuff. 
I wish they would bring more Aerodyne stuff to the US. I think the problem for Aerodyne for me has been if you go on eBay or if you go online and find all the ones in Japan that they sell, they have like cool colors like red and blue and silver. And in the US, when they offered them, there was the black and nothing wrong with the black one. I love it. But, you know, you want choices and they had one that color. Uh, so the Aerodyne has always been one of my favorite, favorite bass, favorite guitar. Uh, yeah. And again, when I say uh, don't use fancier, I mean fancier like 5A quilt tops. The Aerodyne to me is um, more, more not traditional but more untraditional to me it's like to me it's like uh if you see like a strat um you know like i'm using this uh ibanez behind me the orange one you know if you see a strat or a guitar like that and you put a fancy 5a quilt and then you stick a pick card over 40 percent of it it's it's not i don't think most people go for that is what i'm saying so yeah that's cool i'm glad you got the aerodyne i'm glad you like it the like i said i love those guitars so hope you got a, a good deal on it too because like i said sometimes you can score deals but they're worth it no matter what um, I'm gonna do another super chat and then I'll hop back over. It says, hey, Neil, say, hey, Neil, how's it going? Said so Neil says, Hey, Phil, looking to get a few micro amps. So I was wondering if you could recommend a brand of speaker cab, uh, and configuration that will also use in the future. Other heads, I use Marshall's. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to suggest vintage thirties cause that's what I like. I use those in almost all my cabinets. Uh, that's what I like. I mean, I have cream backs. I have Jensen's. I have, um, Eminence. Uh, I have a lot of speakers, but I, I tend to recommend the Vintage 30s because that's what I like. Uh, I know that's probably not the most exciting answer, but I also find the Vintage 30s the most favorable to mo if you're going to try multiple amps. Vintage 30s are used so much in the industry when making amps that so many people use the Vintage 30 as one of the test cone speakers of an amp. You find that most amps can find a nice spot in the Vintage 30. I would say the Vintage 30 is probably one of the most used in developing amps. Uh, not the most, but it, like I said, if I was going to say 10 speakers that definitely when somebody's building and designing an amp, they ran that amp through that speaker. Even even like vintage -y clean amps, somebody's going to do a Vintage 30 because it's so consistently popular so that's what i would look at doing um so there you go um okay i know i got a cool one from bad brad but bad brad hold on one second man let me hop over and get a non-super chat real fast because i like to move around and see what everybody's talking about uh let's see uh there's one question I like, but it's kind of self-serving. So hold on. Let me go. Hey, super fun, happy, awesome pedal show. I'm never going to say it right. <laughs> hey, guys. Super fun, awesome. I should just re read it. It's the super fun, awesome, happy time pedal show. You know what you guys need? A song. You need a song. You know what I mean? It would help me remember it, help everybody. You need to work on that. So that way, when your show starts, it's like, welcome to the super fun, happy. See, I'm doing it wrong. Awesome, happy time paddle show. You need a song. If you had a song, I could remember all that. But to me, it's almost like saying supercalifragilisticexpialidocious kind of thing, right? So by the way, Pooh Ninja is here too as well. Pooh Ninja, you need a song too. Maybe everybody needs a song. <laughs> Dobie Doss is here. Dobie, I'm going to read your question in a second because I'm going to just tell you because I'm on the rant. Dobie needs a song as well. <laughs> <laughs> everybody just needs an intro song that that's how it should go but super fun really needs it so i can remember that name um john says is that a new katana behind you what behind me? yeah it is it's katana 50 
you know, part of this uh, part of this uh, relationship we all have on Fridays is uh, we learn together, uh, we share together. Sometimes we rely on each other. I, you know, uh, so this is one of those moments where I got to tell you, like, if you ever have a, a if you ever want to feel better about your sickness, hopefully somebody like me can uh, help you. Um, so what happened was I was at the NAMM show and I got a new guitar. That one. <laughs> so that's a Friedman S Vin vintage S. Uh, I got the guitar. I, I will do a review of it. When I do the review of it, I'll talk about how that happened and how that all worked out. It was really cool. So what happened was I was in the hotel with that beautiful guitar and playing it all the time. And I needed an amp. So I went to the guitar center that was closest to my hotel four minutes before they closed. And, uh, Got that amp, which I'm happy I got it because one, I wanted it and I told you guys I was going to get one. So it kind of worked out, right? I, I go, I need one anyways. There's a guitar center. And I'm really happy that I got it because the guys, uh, I get it, man. I've, I've had a retail store too. The guys there, we got there like three minutes before they closed and they were grumpy. Not all of them. One of them was really cool and one of them was grumpy at the guitar center. I'm not here to bag on him, man. Uh, I get it. You know what I mean? You don't want somebody kicking the tires four minutes before you, you close, you know, to get out there. But we, we, we really pushed our way in and I bought it. I bought that in a cable and I played for two hours that night in the room with the amp and I've been playing it. And so obviously I'm going to use it. Like I told you guys I was using it. So yeah, I got one. But the reason I'm telling you that is I, I literally spent the day at NAMM and then I went and bought an amp. That was Saturday night. Uh, I was so tired. I could not go to the Steve I show. I was just too exhausted. So I went back to the hotel room and I crashed for like two hours. That's why we had to go to guitar center like right before the close. Cause I woke up from my nil nap and I'm like, well, then what am I do? I'm going to be in my room until like two in the morning. I'm like, I need an amp. <laughs> so I went and got an amp. So that's the sickness guys. That's the sickness. All right. Bad Brad says coolest thing at Nam. Coolest thing at Nam. I did some Nam highlights. I don't know what the coolest thing in Nam is. Um, I feel like I, right. That's horrible. Right. Um, I should know, like, I should be like, pick the thing. Um, coolest thing in Nam. I will tell you the coolest things that I, I had happened at Nam. This Nam was my 16th Nam. This Nam was a different Nam. I've never had a show like this. First of all, thank you so much to everyone who came up to me. Uh, I invited you guys to come up to me. And what I love is, uh, a lot of you took that, uh, uh, you know, that invitation. And I'm so glad you did. You did. Uh, it was great. I got to see and meet so many of you. Um, I didn't regret a second of it. I lost my voice every day. That's why a lot of you thought I was sick because on the videos, cause I had no voice because I was talking to you guys and, and you have to yell at that show. I, I would have lost my voice every day. I don't care. It was so fun meeting you guys. Uh, there's so, I mean, seriously, no, no exaggeration. Um, the, the cool thing is I've learned this. You never meet a troll in person. So that's why I like meeting you guys because everybody is just going to be nice. Even if I could tell they're like, nah, he's okay. They, you're a little, everybody takes the niceness up 10%, right? So if you like me, you like me a lot. If you don't like me, you like me a little. And if you hate me, you'll, you'll say hi, right? So I love that though. Cause it's just, it's not, it's just nice. It's nice to, to have conversations, but more importantly, it's just nice to see who's watching the channel. Things I was shocked about when you guys came up to me the massive amount of kids. Um, I would say I probably did about 300 plus selfies uh, on the show. I was counting for a little while and then I stopped, but based on what I was kind of trying to keep track of, cause you know, just to see how gauge the interaction, um, which by the way, this year was by far colossally bigger than last year's in interaction with you guys um, by at least triple. I, like I said, about 300 selfies, easy, maybe 
maybe double that. Um, but so many kids, and when I say kids, I want to say late teens, early twenties. Remember, uh, you know, to me, if you're 25, you're a kid. So, uh, Nathan, who I hang out with, is 25. He's a kid. Maybe he's 30 now. Maybe he's still a kid and he's 30. I don't know, Nathan, how old are you? So anyways, what I was going to say was I was shocked about that because everybody's like, oh, only nobody watches, you know, nobody plays guitar anymore. Well, apparently there was a lot. And a lot of you said that you've been watching me for a couple of years now. And a lot of you are repairing guitars now because of that. That was great to hear. So that's a little self-serving talk. I hate kind of talking about that, but I just wanted to share with you guys how great that was. The other thing that happens, two crazy things happened at the show that I feel like if they're going to sound braggy, but it's just because I'm sharing the fun of the show. Uh, the first thing is I got to interview Steve I. Some of you guys on Instagram and, and Facebook, I shared that because when the video comes out, I'm not going to put that piece in the main video on YouTube, which is when Steve I was playing, uh, <laughs> we had the cameras rolling and I went to introduce myself to him and, and he very, like, very just awesomely was like, hey, I know you. <laughs> and if you guys watch that video, you can see I, I, I'm holding it together pretty well, but it, it, it when in the video i'm like because the i knew the camera was on but trust me in my head i was like what and he's like yeah from youtube i'm like youtube you wow okay uh and then we had a little talk and he watches youtube good to know so it's just because that's a cr crazy thing uh to think you know you think you know rock stars don't watch youtube but they do so it was really cool that was cool the other thing that happened which is uh a little early to share but i just want to share because it was super crazy cool and again remember what i told you guys before nam you guys make all this happen. I, I can't take responsibility for anything. Um, I got to meet Jeff Kiesel. I never met him before. A friend of mine introduced me to him. And when I went to shake his hand, I induced, introduced myself and I said, Hey, my name is Phil. And Jeff goes, yes, I know. I've seen your video. And he said, uh, by the way, I thought it was cool that you bought a Vader and reviewed it and showed your audience. And I said, Oh, cool. Thank you. And then basically he not basically, he says, Oh, we're making you a guitar. And then uh, Brandon at Brandon at Kiesel uh, said, yeah, we've decided to make you a guitar based on what we know you like. And what I'm happy to say is they sent me a picture because I guess they shipped it already. And um, it is, ex I mean, seriously, if somebody was taking detailed notes of everything I've said for the last couple of years about what I love in a guitar, they nailed like 99.99, maybe 100% of it. That's crazy. Uh, I don't know how to put that in perspective. This wasn't like a, Hey, we want you to do videos. And this is how we want. It was just like a, we'd like to thank you for what you do out there. So that was a different vibe Nam, than normal. <laughs> so those, those are my moments. Uh, so Brad, I'm sorry. I know you're probably saying coolest thing. You want a piece of gear, but obviously I, I, I did the gear highlights video. I'll put that link now, which is, I love the Tajima stuff. I, I really like the Reverend stuff I was checking out. I really like the, uh, the new Ibanez, uh, uh, guitars. Um, I have a, uh, a NAM recap video that comes out tomorrow where it's detailed, where I go through like products, um, instead of booths, it's not booths video. It's a product video. I, I released it already to the patrons. They said they liked it. So it's good to go. Um, so Brad, there was cool stuff. Uh, I like the, uh, I met the guys at Black Mountain Picks. I say guys, but it's one guy. He's a great guy. This is a cool pick. If you saw that video, I thought this was cool. Um, the, a uh, lot of the stuff, it's tough because you don't get to touch it. You know what I mean? Or, you know, you touch it, but you don't get to play it or interact with it in a personal way. So that was my long speech. I'm sorry, guys, but that was some crazy stuff I thought I'd share because I'm still a little, uh, woozy from that like you know sh shocked <laughs> from it so there you go uh all right let's do some stuff that uh you, you guys are gonna care about talking about uh 
Let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Joe Harvey, uh, Harvey 84 says, I want to try this pick. You're yeah. You're talking about the black mountain pick. So, um, it's a, uh, like I said, it's really cool idea to put a spring on a thumb pick so that you don't have to have multiple sizes or put them in warm water and form them. Um, guitar, get box, guitar box. I'll say get box, get box. Six string says, can you actually play any guitars at Nam? I want to go, but if I can only see them on the walls, it's going to piss me off. Some companies do zip tie the guitars down. A lot of the music bands I saw were zip tied down outside the booth. I didn't look inside the booth to see if they were some guitars are zipped down. Some it's free for all. Just go for it. Um, however, very few booths have like amps and stations to plug in, but some do. Um, but a lot of times it's really busy. It's definitely more of a visual thing. You can touch stuff. You can interact with stuff as much as possible. I, I would say this. Um, I can't imagine them letting us go any crazier. So I don't want to say it's like a negative. It's, it's literally like there's just, you know, I mean, there's millions of dollars, maybe tens of millions of dollars worth of product in the place and you're just running around like crazy. So you can touch most stuff, but more importantly, even if you can't play it, you can touch it. And sometimes that's an, enough for me. Like just reaching around, I, you'll see in some of the videos, I just reach around, grab necks. I just want to feel that neck. I don't need to play it because, you know, playing it would be nice. But a lot of times just feeling how that neck feels will tell me a lot in that first second. I call it the handshake when you, so. Uh, Lauren says you can play this stuff at the LPD booth. That's true. They uh, Him and pedal pods were set up so you could play. Uh, that was absolutely true. They had guitars there and everything. So, and like I said, a lot of those booths are set up for you to play. So, uh, Will Schaefer says music, man, cutlass, roasted neck or PRS silver sky. This is a question I get a lot. And I will tell you this, uh, those are tough because I've, I've played both those guitars. Obviously I have a silver sky, uh, and I like them the same to be honest with you. I think if I was going to answer, and I say, I always answer for myself, but I'm going to say it for the, uh, the average player that i've met i would say we'll probably pick the music man cutlass because it's the next really fast it plays great the quality on the guitars is good if not better than silver sky in every way however i know i say i don't like thick necks but i i tell everybody i have a goldilocks syndrome when it comes to necks i don't like the necks too big i don't like the necks too small i kind of like too wide or too narrow um the roasted the cutlass neck to me is just a little too small for me but i love it um, but I kind of prefer the silver sky chunkier neck. So, so there you go. So for me, I'd pick the silver sky. That's my personal choice. But I think if I was going to give advice to a friend, I'd say you might, most players, I think two out of three pick the cutlass is my thing. Even though I bet you the sales don't want to equate that. I bet you silver skies are killing it with sales compared to cutlass, but the cutlass is such a good guitar and it's such a good looking guitar too. Um, Reggie, Hey Reggie, what's up says for the post name cause love the coverage. Thank you. You know, I I'm glad you guys did it. I did a lot of videos. I have videos all next week coming out. Plus I was able to, uh, interact with so many companies and get some product to come and, and do some more content, which is great. And actually, um, it was really nice to get some, some interaction with the companies in a very positive way. This usually in, in the previous couple of NAMM shows, you had to really sell your YouTube vibe. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I can, I have viewers and I want to talk about product and I want to talk about your stuff and it'll be exciting. 
this time it was like, oh yeah, they knew who we were. And I say we, I mean, I was talking to a ton of YouTube channels. I mean, channels with 10,000 subs were like, hey, we're, we're, we're companies are talking to us. And um, what's great about that is you guys know a lot of smaller channels watch this channel uh, and obviously some bigger channels like Dobie's here. <laughs> so um, what's great is, is everybody knows uh, it, it's tough. And I always tell a channel with smaller, uh, a smaller subscriber base that it doesn't ever seem to change. Um, I don't feel like I get any more, uh, leave way with the companies having a larger mid-sized channel. And when I talk to larger channels, they seem the same, same, the same rut. They're like some companies get it YouTube and our community and some don't. So, um, okay. BK has got a question. I don't understand it. So BK, I'm gonna try my best, best hybrid, best hybrid for direct recording looping. That's one question. That's why I don't get it. Cause I'm reading it all as one question. What's the best hybrid for direct recording and looping? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, best direct. I would, I don't know. I, I mean, cause I don't use plugins and software and stuff. So I, I wouldn't know, uh, for, to me, uh, direct recording when I direct record, I don't direct record. I mic everything. Uh, very few things do I direct record. Um, so that's my problem. Uh, although I am talking to two notes or, uh, and seeing about getting a two notes product. So I can try direct, uh, a direct interface to see what it's like, but I really haven't done any direct stuff. Uh, I took the helix and tried to do that direct with a computer, a couple of things like that, but I still preferred miking. And I, and I know some of you guys don't have this situation where you can mic stuff. Um, but I do. So I, I don't have a whole lot of, you know, energy, uh, not energy, but a whole lot of desire to do that. So that's the horrible thing. So I can't help you with that. But on looping, uh, I love looping. <laughs> I have tons of loopers. And uh, currently what I'm using is uh, back to, I use my boss a lot, my boss RC1, but right now uh, in the, in the rig is back to my, uh, my TC ditto mini. I, I love that pedal. So um, I keep that easy. The next question is go nay six Taylor T5 or Fender Acoustasonic. I'm biased. Go nay six. Uh, I love the Taylor T5Z. It's the Z, the small one. I had a Taylor T5 for a very short time. I bought it used. I really liked it. Um, I didn't love it, though, and that happens. The Acoustasonic I've played only briefly. It's $2,000. Here's my thing, man. I'm going to tell you. It's not the price points. I know the Taylor's expensive and the Fender Acoustasonic's expensive. Expensive For me, the Gone 6 for the price is hard to beat. It's a hard-to-beat product. It's less money, and it is great. So I really like the Goni 6, um, but I like all three, but mostly uh, I have almost no experience with Acoustasonic. So I'm going to really say the Taylor and the Godin, but for me, I actually had my Taylor. I got rid of my Taylor to get the Goni 6. So uh, Tosh, Jake, Finnegan. <laughs> I like us. Tosh, Tosh, Jake, Finnegan. Good day. Okay. Um, uh, are you from Australia? Is that why there's an A in front of the currency? I hope you're in safe, man. Uh, I, I, like I said, I know it's horrible what's going on, but I hope you're safe. Uh, good day, Phil. Uh, hope you're you're rad. I hope that yeah, but I hope that means there what it means here it means. <laughs> it says need to sell my ESP custom shop, Jeff uh, Hineman, Hineman, and Kirk Hammett guitars due to a car being stolen. Tips on accurately photographing gloss black finishes. Uh, love from Australia. See, if I would just finish the question, I wouldn't have to guess all the Australian stuff. See, it's the whole finishing a question. Uh, so the question now is really how do you photograph that stuff, right? And I understand what you're saying because that's one frustration we all have when you see the reverb pictures. There's always the glare for some light. Um, you know, I like, if you don't have 
uh, professional photography equipment uh, and you just, even if you want to use a cell phone, I find to me the best time to take pictures of your guitars is the, uh, the, um, my wife does photography. I'm feel horrible. I'm going to say this wrong, but I've tried it in the past and it's always worked great, which is you take the pictures outside, but you take it during magic hour. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I will put a link to that in the index. Magic hour is the end of the day. It's like the, when the sun's setting, there's a time of day called magic hour where you can get great photos. So if you don't want to buy photo equipment, you can just literally take your phone and take pictures of your guitars outside during what's called magic hour. If you really want to get some great pictures. Um, and uh, I've had great success with that. Again, some of you guys are probably photography nuts and, uh, and uh, I'm sure my wife could answer this question way better than me, but I know uh, she taught me the magic hour thing and uh, it works golden hour. Thank you guys. See, see, yes. So golden hour. There you go. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I was like, I'm like, Oh, my wife's listening and she'll say something. But uh, anyway, so yeah, golden hour. Uh, that's what I would do for sure. And it's free. Uh, what else? All right. And you know what? How did I not get Dovey's question? Or yet? Can we say Dovey? I know it's Dovey Doss, but can we make it short? Like I'm Philip, but I call Phil. Like I'm going to jump to, oh, you know what? Okay. Hold on. We got Carlos's answer. It says, Phil, no coding hum stops when I touch the strings and hardware. That's good. That's a good sign. Uh, when you're touching stuff, it means that it's grounding out. That's what you want it to do. Um, so the, the problem is, uh what's the problem the problem really for me is it's again i can't hear it or see it um it sounds right because that's the whole point remember a lot of times in guitars you, when you're touching the guitar and playing it there shouldn't be any hum right that that's when you're 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 grounding out the guitar so of course i don't know how loud the hum is obnoxious there should the hum should be very very subtle but again because you're saying you're using a charvel i don't know you could be using some crazy high gain amp and that's going to amplify that that hum uh really bad so uh but the good news is the good news is is that you do want your guitar to stop humming when you touch the strings bridge or any of the metal components sometimes even the knob that's good some people freak out about that they're like oh it's broken it only goes out when i'm touching it i'm like no no that's you're grounding it out that's what you want to do because when you're playing you'll be grounding it out which is good um but you shouldn't have loud noise so i'm saying this partial partial answer part of that is good news Part of that, though, is if it's really loud, it's over obnoxious, then you do have an issue. And my guess is you're saying the wiring is right, but there's probably something in there not right grounded correctly. Um, I would be shocked if it's a shielding issue. But also keep in mind, too, uh, you have your other uh, you have external factors like your guitar cable. You want to make sure that's right. You want to make sure you're checking it through different amplifiers to make sure that it's not the amplifier. I'm sure you've checked all this stuff. I'm just helping you like I would help anybody else. Uh, and the other thing you might want to do is also check what you're next to, because obviously you could be receiving 60 cycle hum uh, through other interferences like the room or you're right next to be If you're in a house, you could be next to a refrigerator. M my big problem in where I do videos is I sit next to the amps and sometimes the guitar is really picking up those transformers and, and that uh, AC voltage going through those amps. So, Again, uh, the my question for you or the concern for you is not that there's a hum because so far that sounds good that it grounds out. It's if it's really loud, then you have a problem. It's not that loud. It's just minor. Sounds about right. Now, if you have a guitar, some people go, yeah, well, my other guitar doesn't do that. Well, sometimes that happens that way too. Um, me, I would definitely double check those grounds out because uh, I, even if the wiring looks right, it doesn't mean it is right. So sometimes you want to go in there and test that. 
Uh, Raymond says, had rats pee inside a tube amp, can it be saved? I'm not laughing. I'm just kind of like, what? <laughs> you know, I've heard cat pee, rats peeing inside of a tube amp. You're lucky they didn't eat eat the wires. Uh, I've had, you know, usually when you hear rats in an amp, they usually eat the Tolex, eat the cabinet, eat the wires, chew through the wires, you know, do all horrible stuff. So rat pee is probably the thing. Uh, here's, here's what I can tell you. Um, I don't know much about rat pee. <laughs> Because <laughs> other than it happened to a tube amp, this is more of a house cleaning question than it is an amp question. However, I do know this. If you go to the pet store, they do sell sprays that are specifically made for not rats. I'm pretty sure there's no rat pee uh, spray, but there's probably a cat pee and dog pee spray uh, that's uh, and it's got enzymes in it to 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 actually counteract that and you know to do the thing. So again, I. I I got cats and dogs like anybody and, uh, and, uh, not in an amp situation, but in other situations, that's what my wife had got was she went and got some spray and it was specific for urine, uh, not to cover up the smell or mask the smell, but these there's enzymes in it. And I guess it actually, you know, works against the, the smell, uh, shut up. Let's shut up. Let's talk says Jackson inlays lifting. Can I use a soft hammer? No, don't do that. <laughs> um, because uh, here's why. First of all, I got to make sure you got to make sure before you, you tap on uh, any of those, um, uh, you say Jackson and Lace. If you're talking about an import Jackson, they're plastic. That's one thing. But if you're talking about real abalone shell or real shell in there, you could crack it. So don't do that. Um, I wouldn't tap it in uh, at all. First, I, first thing I would do, I, I just tell you what I would do if you gave me the guitar. I take the strings off. I have a, a instead of a neck rest, I have a, a full neck rest. It's like the length of the neck. It's a cradle for the neck. And that way I know all the way uh, the neck is being distributed across that cradle. Um, and what I do is I just, with my fingers pinch, and I try to push that inlay back down. If I can push it down, that's good. Okay. Now, if you're pushing on, it, it's not moving. That's probably where you're thinking you want to tap it. Um, I wouldn't tap on it yet. Um, that's the last thing I want to do because again, sometimes they just pop out. So, uh, my, uh, See, again, it's tough because we're live show. Maybe I should start doing some live shows like once a month from my shop. If you guys like that idea, then I can reach over and stuff. I use this uh, glue, super glue, but super glue comes in viscosities, like thicknesses. And there's a special super glue that I use. It's like water. It's really thin. In fact, it's like, like I said, it's like using rubbing alcohol. And sometimes what I do, if I can clamp it, I will inject with a syringe some just a dot a super glue into that inlay underneath there and then i use a clamp and with rubber and i slowly press that inlay back in and that's how i want to do it i want to be delicate when i'm pushing the inlays back in now now here's the deal if it's 199 jackson and it's got plastic inlays i still wouldn't tap it in there but i don't have to be as delicate because i'm not worried about it but again i don't have that information so i'm going to tell you the delicate way but either way slow steady and that glue you can get on Amazon. That's where I buy it. Or you can get it other places. Again, it's just like I said, there's all kinds. I use like 2X glue when I want thick glue. Uh, there's like I said, there's different viscosities of super glue. So the watery stuff is the stuff I use, but I, it's been a while. You know what I mean? Uh, like I have it, I actually get it on Amazon and I get it through some kind of auto uh, thing where I, every time I need it, I just push a button and it resends me more. So it's been a while since I've looked at it. The bottle comes in a little baby bottle thing and then like i said i put it in a syringe uh so i have a little syringe to get in there um doby dos i finally got your question doby says uh hey phil would you happen to know of dynamic mics or wait of a dynamic mic for vocals that goes 
the 20 kilohertz frequency response. Hope Nam was fun. Wish you were there. You know, Dobie, I've, I actually, what's funny is I think I, that's a question I'd ask you. I'm horrible at the microphones thing. That's, you know, who you want to ask is Henning. That's a Henning question. Uh, and if you don't have uh, Henning's info, maybe I can get you uh, his his way to get in through Facebook and stuff. Um, I'm just not a, a dynamic dude. I use I use the mics. Uh, what I do is I ask like uh, people I know that know mics, <laughs> and then they suggested a few mics. Like I use like an SM57. And I use the Sennheisers. I like the E609, E609 or something. And I just use all that stuff because again, I'm it's a guitar thing. I just I'm horrible at this stuff and especially vocals i can't sing buddy not like you you know what i mean you got the you got the talent gift uh so uh i did not <laughs> no one wants to hear me sing it did you hear my super happy fun time song earlier anyways um so sorry buddy uh but uh but the good news is i still want to do that uh, uh thing with your Schechter guitar so that's a good thing uh i think i sent you a message but if not i will make sure tonight uh that I do it and since i'm talking about tonight it's a good time to mention this. I need to check off stuff on this list. There is a clinic with my buddy, Larry Mitchell at Zim's guitars. If you are in Mesa, Zim's guitars is in Mesa. Z I M M S Zim's guitars. Uh, uh, Larry's in town. I hung out with him last Wednesday at the NAM show, uh, last Wednesday night. Uh, if you guys, you guys probably know Larry, he's done some videos, Grammy artist, amazing guitar player. He's doing a free clinic, man. So if you're in Mesa and you're bored tonight, even if you're not bored, just come out. He's worth it. I'm going to go there. So after this, I'll be there. Uh, so tonight, Mesa, Zim's Guitars, uh, Larry Mitchell doing a free clinic, man. And let me tell you, you will learn something. The guy's got a lot to teach. He's an amazing player, but he, but a great teacher as well. Um, yeah, see, Daniel saying Larry Mitchell is such an awesome guitarist. I, I, I think he's one of my favorite, and it's not just because I'm friends with him. He's he. I was a fan of his before I knew him. Grubby Mike says, hey, Phil, what's your unfiltered opinion on the new Epiphones? Good. Unfiltered. I like that. Puts me hat in a position. I love some people don't. Some people do. I love the new headstocks. It's it's I thought it was a smarter move than what I have anticipated. You know, we've talked about making the headstocks like Gibson's. This was smart. It's more like a Gibson. It's not quite there, but they pulled something from the archives. They're like, oh, it's from the past. It's more legitimate. It feels good. It feels like a good compromise. Um, am I as happy with it as if I would be if it was the actual Gibson headstock? No, I kind of still wanted just a Gibson headstock, but this is so close. I think there's an improvement. So aesthetically, I like the improvement. The finishes I, I did, uh, uh, again, in this uh, tomorrow's video, you'll see I go into a little more detail on this. Um, when I went to the booth, I thought it was one of the best in show for the Epiphones. Um, they looked great. It was a nice, it was a nice roundup of guitars. So my unfiltered opinion, really liked them. Now, did I try them? Did I go through the quality? No, but you know, I mean, I'm assuming I'm assuming the same quality were before, which is, you know, mostly good, <laughs> right? Most of the Epiphones are really good. Some of the cheap ones are a little dodgy sometimes, like some Ibanez's and Dean's are dodgy when they're in the lower price right points, but sometimes they're good. So uh, that's my unfiltered opinion. I, I really I like them. Uh, I'm happy to see it. So, you know, I'm happy to see Gibson anytime they do something good. I'm a Gibson guitar player. I like Gibson. I like Epiphone. I like them as guitars. And so I love that they actually listen to people. I said that, I think, in the video. They listened. To me, that's what I was more excited about than anything else was uh, from a company who's typically, and I mean this, I'm trying not trying to be negative, but for a company who's typically like not listening, that's how everybody feels. Like, why don't you just listen to us? We'll tell you what we'll buy. We'll buy it. 
we buy what we don't want from you guys. We'll buy what we want for sure. Uh, it was great to hear them listening. It was like, it was great. <laughs> so, you know, it made me feel good. Uh, so I was excited about it. Riff M Magos. Sure. Uh, it's my, I'm just say Riff. Riff says, Hey, Phil, hope you're well. I am seriously enjoying the new Gibson Les Paul studio. Oh, he's got a new Gibson Les Paul studio. Very nice. I have a new Gibson Les Paul in my future. I'm very excited as well. I can't wait to share it with you. It's something totally different. Super, super different. Uh, that was my shenanigans. I started way before the damn show. Um, so I, I understand your, what you're feeling. Let's go with, wow, 870. That's why it's moving so fast. There's a lot of us hanging out. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, do some non-super chats because I stuck on that. Um, hold on. Oh, it just jumps. Somebody had a... And again, if you super chat, I pin it. Guys, uh, I'll make sure it's over there and I don't lose it. Um, okay. Neil's got a question and I just want to answer it because it's a strange question, but I think I know where we're going with this. It says, are will... Are are warm pickups opposite to high pickups output pick? Uh, let's just warm time. Are warm pickups opposite to high output pickups? That's a great question. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like I said, we use terminology for pickups that really is confusing. We'll say it's hot or it's, you know, but then we'll say like this, this pickup has a hot test. It's hot, hot, hot usually means high output. Lots of, you know, I mean, high output, meaning it's driving signal. So warm pickups, it's funny because in my mind, and everybody's going to have a different opinion, but in my mind, and I don't mean my personal mind, but in communicating with guitar players for years, warm pickups mean uh, bass heavy and mid-range heavy to me. So if somebody says, oh, it's a warm sound, it, it doesn't mean, like, if I say this pickup has a hot sound, it means that it's really driving the amp. It's a high output pickup. And if I said a warm sound, interesting enough, you wouldn't really mean that they have less output than hot but more output than cold because you wouldn't even use cold. That's where it's silly. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's our terminology. Warm usually means uh, doesn't sound very bright, sounds very full sounding. Uh, so if somebody says, oh, that pickup sounds really warm. They're usually trying to say it has a lot of low end and mid range tones. It sounds really smooth. Again, terms that are confusing, right? Smooth. Great question. Cause like I said, I think everybody, it makes everybody crazy uh, with this. Uh, and we, and we're all over the place with it. We say hot, we say warm, uh, we, right? We say cool. Um, you know, we use colors, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's weird what we use to describe, even though it's all our, ear, our ears. Um, they, uh, let's see, uh, what else? Oh, what's, uh, Mr. J said, what's the break angle on the new Epiphone headstock? I believe it's 14 degrees. When I say, I believe I was reading specs when I was there and that's what I retained from the ones I looked at. Of course, you know, there was a lot of new guitars, but from what I was getting was 14 degree angle. If you guys don't know what that means or reference to that, it's how much tilted back it is. All you have to know is a, I think a Gibson Les Paul I'm doing for memory is like 17 degrees. So again, shallower neck angle. So it's not as extreme once it passes the nut, which is good, right? A lot of people wishes the Gibsons didn't have such an extreme neck angle. Cause they, they say that's what causes the breaks. Um, I, uh, I'm going to say, yeah, maybe so. Um, let's see what else. Hold on. You guys got a lot of questions. We're jumping around and then hold on. And then, okay, hold on. I know you guys have questions. I just want to make sure I'm getting to my 
stuff. <laughs> uh, oh, another thing. I know we're deep into the show now, uh, almost to the end, but I want to point out something other cool happened thing at the, at the NAMM show was uh, Sweetwater, Mitch Gallagher, interviewed me on their channel. I put a link already to below. I would really love it. I never have done this before. You guys know, 142 episodes. I've never solicited you guys to do anything like this, but I want you guys to, if you're willing to do it, please go over there. And, uh, you know, hit, hit a, a like button or leave a comment or watch a little bit of it. The reason is, is cause I thought one, I learned a lot just watching Mitch interview. Um, it was really cool. Cause I just, I told you guys, I just got to hang out with Steve. I and interview him and that interview with Steve. I made me really realize that's a skill set I don't really have. And then watch Mitch interview me. I was like, wow, you almost made me same sound interesting. <laughs> right. Uh, and Mitch had very little to to, to work with when it comes to me, I'm, 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 I'm being serious. And he made that interview fantastic. But also, I also want to explain not only that I, I was impressed with what Mitch did, um, but it was really cool. Sweetwater interview me. They re interviewed Rick Beato, me, um, uh, Sarah Longfield. I mean, it was really like, it was a very, it was very cool to have that happen. Uh, and it was very public cause we were outside. So it was really cool. It put a lot of optics on the channel. Let's be honest. And that was very nice of them to do that. They did. They did that. They just reached out to me. I got a random text that said, Hey, could you meet us for a few minutes tomorrow? We'd like to interview you do an interview. This is a true story. I, I love to share stuff with you guys. It's not only cause I want to be transparent, but I don't have a problem showing my butt, so to speak, as my friend would say, uh, this is true. They don't even know this, by the way, they're going to learn this. If they ever watch this live show, they sent me a text and it said, Hey, do you have a few minutes tomorrow for an interview? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? But I was like, why am I going to interview them? But all right. So I went down there to interview them. They're like, we're going to interview you. And you're like, Oh, Oh yeah, of course. Yes. 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 What do you want to know? <laughs> but it's true. I went there. That's why I was holding my camera, my mic. I was like, Oh, Sweetwater wants me to interview him. Sure. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Uh, I didn't tell anybody. In fact, I think I told one other YouTube channel. So you guys are all learning uh, <laughs> at the same time in my embarrassment. I feel weird uh, owning up to that, but but I just want to let you know. It was kind of funny. So that's another reason why at the beginning of the interview, I have a real weird like, yeah, sure. Because I'm really like, okay, let's do this. It was fun. And it made it fun. I, I, I hope so. Uh, so there you go. So now next time somebody says you want to come interview, I'm going to be like, yeah, you, right. I, you know, right. You interview me. That's how it works now. That's the kind of uh, thing we've established now. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, John's got a question. He says thoughts on, it's just an easy question. I want to hit it. Thoughts on full Rosewood necks. I love them. Uh, PRS does them. I don't own a PRS Rosewood neck. I would love to. <laughs> they're expensive. Uh, PRS are already expensive. And every time I got a PRS, I, you know, I'm trying to be budget minded as much as you can with a guitar like that. Um, but I have a solid Rosewood neck strat, my Daphne blue. And you guys seen in videos I was playing last night. I love it so much. I love that Rosewood neck. Uh, it's a different vibe. So, so, um, yeah, love them. Uh, that was easy. <laughs> okay. Um, we have suspicious scissors. I love that. You see me guys, the sign-ons are getting better. Some of them were like, they used to look like car license plates. So suspicious scissors is easy. I have a 61 Fender uh, Base 6. I think that's right. Needs paint. Do I have to use nitro uh, to paint? Do I have to use nitro paint to keep the value? You do. If you have a nitro guitar, it's a 61. Here's the thing, man. Not only do you have to use nitro, you understand that as soon as you do anything to a vintage instrument, you're, 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 you're not only destroying the value you're hurt, hurting 
the potential of the value. So in, in any way, so uh, you've noticed how fast my voice got really kind of like jittery. It's because I don't, don't want to give you advice on, on a vintage instrument. I am not versed in them enough to know uh, other than I know what not to do to them, which is uh, so, you know, customers bring me vintage instruments all the time and they're like, replace this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I never will mar a vintage instrument. I will always make sure that if I new, new, use new parts, I zip blog bag and, and, and actually write out everything of the old parts. They can put them back. Cause again, with vintage instruments, you're talking about a different world of instruments where the value of them is really important. Some instruments can be just the parts alone. You know what I mean? It's scary. And so what I'm saying is if you have, a, have an instrument that's vintage, I would not only like I said, take it to a qualified person to do any work like that. Uh, and that will help the problem right there because then you don't have to ask if you need it or not done now i understand a lot of players out there have these vintage instruments because they've had them since they were kids or they've had them for a long time and they haven't put a lot of money into them because they have them and so the idea of putting a lot of money into it now it doesn't sound very fun but uh, definitely before you ever have work done on an instrument a vintage instrument especially with the internet and it's free do your due diligence to find out the exact value of that instrument you understand that um you don't want to be in a situation where you found out that you have a valuable instrument after the fact. I've heard every horrible story from techs taking vintage parts out of instruments because just a pickup could be worth three grand. Um, so always just take that, you know, with, with the advice that you can, you know, just take that advice. Trust me, you'll come out better for it. So like I said, do your due diligence to find the value of your instrument and then find a reputable place if you want to uh, refinish it and needs paint. But keep in mind, yeah. In my experience, if you mess with that, a lot of times if you have a vintage instrument that needs a lot of repair and you don't want to pay for it, sometimes it's the smartest thing to do if it's not emotionally attached to you to go ahead and find the good value on that and sell it. Let somebody else do all the maintenance on it and then buy yourself something that you can enjoy without, you know, feeling you need to fix up. If it has sentimental value, I understand that too. Or if it's been just you love it because you've been playing for a long time. But either way, get some expert opinions on anything vintage, especially 61 era, 61 Fender. Uh, it's it's anything, anything from the 60s Fender, I would definitely take seriously, even if it's not valuable yet. In 70s too, because again, we know where it could all possibly go. Um, it's funny. Brian from Oregon. Hey, Brian. <laughs> so so brian from oregon went with me the tone king and my buddy john and brian's wife and we we went to they took us to uh this was friday night i think brian we went my days are messed up <laughs> so i think it was friday night we went to Ro roscoe's chicken and waffles i never had it before um they were they were like hey we gotta go it's a thing <laughs> so i had uh, and here's what I learned about Roscoe's chicken and waffles. I, of course, I've had fried chicken and I've had waffles and both are very good. And uh, they said, what do you think? And I said, oh, it's good. But I, I mean, I just don't understand the concept of them together. It's not like it made them worse together. I enjoyed them. I don't know how it made them better. And my joke was, why don't I open up Phil's pancakes and pork chops? I go, well, we can just start mixing all kinds of stuff. So that's funny, Brian, that you remember that. Yeah, Phil's pancakes and pork chops. Um and then I've come, so, so Brian, since, since that night, I've really come to the decision that I've, so, so everybody started giving me, now I'm going to say crap. They give me crap about not saying I love Roscoe's and chicken waffles. Like a thing. You got to love it. I, I, I liked it. In fact, I think that night I said, I loved it, but I'd never have it again. Not, not on purpose. Cause it was okay. But what I will say is this, I would have learned is for me, if you're going to mix two, uh, a, 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 a breakfast and a dinner together. It's eggs on a hamburger. <laughs> to me, that's that's the mix. That's the one I think I like more. So before I'd have fried chicken and waffles again, I would have 
one of those hamburgers where they put eggs on it. So our fried egg on it. Um, and then again, there's a bunch of super chats, but I'm going to go to the non super chats. Cause I know you guys are hanging, waiting for a question to get answered. Um, See, somebody's like salty and sweet. Uh, yeah, all this stuff. You, you you think with my physique, I'd be like, yeah, chicken and waffles all day. But it, it was good. It's just, you know what it is? I think the appeal of chicken waffles, somebody told me it's like, oh, it's a drunk food. That's why they, people like it. I realized, or not realized, I think my theory why people like chicken and waffles is it's really the ultimate decadence, right? I mean, fried chicken is amazing. If, <laughs> and so... But it's decadent. It's a thing that you're like, oh, you can't, you can't eat that too often. And uh, and waffles, same thing, great, but kind of decadent syrup, you know. So it's really you're eating two things. It's really you're just telling the world, double down, like I don't even care anymore. <laughs> I've I've stopped. I don't care about my arteries, my health, nothing, nothing matters. Just chicken and waffles. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> a lot of people are like don't don't knock chicken and waffles again. I enjoyed it. I seriously enjoyed the company, enjoyed the food was, it was really good. I did. And I was very clear all night about that. But like I said, I wouldn't actively go, go to it again. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Egg, egg and burger. Well, so, you know, uh, somebody saying egg and burger is not a local thing. Uh, anyone, uh, uh to anyone, uh, we all have it. Well, same with chicken and waffles. I know you guys, please don't take offense, California. I know you have Roscoe's and chicken and waffles. We have in Arizona, we have Lulu's chicken and waffles. There's like a place here that's well known for chicken and waffles too. So I, I'm not saying they're the same cause I've never had it, but, uh, it's also, so, you know, the excitement that people had for me to go to uh, Roscoe's chicken and waffles. It was the same side. My friends are like, you got to go to Lulu's. So I, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I, I get it. I get it. It's not a, a thing. So <laughs> then Todd says, and then a wafer thin mint. Oh, well, I didn't get that. They didn't give us that. Um, let's see what else. Uh, let's do another question and I'll hit some super chats real fast. Yeah. Okay. Dirt Racer X. It's good to hear from you again. Says we have chick and waffles in Indianapolis. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, it's uh, i I'm sure it's a thing, man. <laughs> again, you know, I think in Arizona, the big thing here though, if for drunk food is, is Mexican food. Cause it's so greasy and good. And you know what I mean? So what we would consider drunk food here, I think majority of us is like when you, you know, you think like after the bar, if you're going to get food, you go get some crazy burrito or some crazy nacho thing. Um, from from a mexican restaurant there's tons of uh, restaurants that like 24 hours a day and they're open till two three four in the morning here so i think that's probably more so in our line um so uh chad says did i try the se mira how did it compare to the core mira um well the se mira i did play one uh, but it me to me it reminded me of the s2 mira and it's it just remind had that same kind of feel but again uh, I mean, I liked it, but I really like my core mirror, not because it's a core, because I like my mirror. That's the tough part. Okay. Oh, wafer thin mint is a Monty Python reference. All right. Good to know. I have seen many Monty Pythons, but I've seen, well, I don't want to say all of them, but I've seen most my Monty Python movies, but I had, uh, but unlike a lot of my friends who watch them like 20 times, I watch them like once or twice. So I, I don't have the references down pat. Uh, I'm more of a Caddyshack reference kind of guy, which is nice. So, okay, real quick. I got some super chats to catch up on. It's going to get nasty real fast. Uh, 
Is Shinnery Kid, you kid, is Shinnery your kid? I'll never say it right. Just got an Explorer B2. Love the tone. Don't like Mini Grover tuners. Suggestions for locking replacement tuners. That's what I'm working on right now. I just got Hipshot to send some tuners. A bunch of companies sent tuners. Um, I am not enjoying uh, Grover tuners anymore. I don't know what it is. The mini ones, the full-size ones. I feel like, uh, you know, they're just not what they used to be. I know that's like a, a thing now to say, but realistically, um, to the point where I can almost identify them by touch and sight. Um, so yes, uh, the question, I, I can tell you this, uh, without doing the future vids, because I haven't done them yet, where I want to kind of talk about the quality of these locking tuners, because there's so many inexpensive locking tuners on Amazon now, and everybody's getting those. Um, I want to do some side-by-side -side comparisons and check them and see what I discover. What I will tell you is right now, and of course I go with what's, what quality has been working for me really well. The three locking tuner sets that I really like is Hipshot, the ratios by Graph Tech and Godo. I really like those locking keys. There are great, don't, don't, don't get me wrong, like Schaller's, all this stuff's great. Yeah, I, I had good experiences. But right now, when I'm installing tuning keys on guitars, those are three sets because I'm consistently getting great quality from those sets. I really feel happy with using those and I feel confident suggesting them to people. Pedro says, greetings from LA. Hey, I was just there. <laughs> so uh, I was in uh, Hollywood too. Uh, that was a, that's another story. We'll have to do that next week. There's so much crazy stuff that happened besides the NAMM show. Um, so it says, uh, a body used original 60s ocean turquoise John Mayer on reverb. Tips and advice for when first inspecting it, picking it up, pick, oh, pick, picking it up after work. Oh, cool. Thanks. Um, okay. So original 60s ocean turquoise JM on reverb. Is John Mayer? Is that what you're trying to say? I mean, it's, I don't understand. Six, I don't know where the JM comes from. Uh, what I can tell you is uh, I do have a how to inspect a Strat video, which would fit all three scenarios. So if it's a 60s one, a Strat, or if it's a uh, John Mayer Ocean Strat. I don't remember. Ocean Turquoise was a, was I thought that was the 60s Ocean Turquoise. John Mayer was the Fender edition John Mayer, right? And if I'm right, uh, I would use that video. There's a PDF you can download if you want to check to show you what what uh, what stuff you should look for. And I definitely suggest you look for it, especially I can tell you, oh, you know what? This is what I can help you with. On the John Mayer stuff, all John Mayer stuff, Silver Skies and Strats. I, it's tough because, you know, it's hard to have somebody who's selling you a guitar let you take it apart. So I don't, I don't know how to reference how to help you in this but i want you to be aware of the first thing that usually is going to happen that guitars are going to take the pickups out i'm not saying the person sell to you is doing anything wrong but i'm just saying you cannot buy the fender john mayer pickups and you cannot buy the uh, prs john mayer pickups and so i i used to in the shop we used to have trouble all the time with the fender john mayers where people would take out the john mayer pickups because they go for great value and they sound great so oh J jm for the jazz master that would make sense Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you for JM. Because I'm like, John Mayer? Oh, that's even easier. 60s Ocean Turquoise uh, Jazz Master. Um, same thing. You would inspect it just like a Strat. We don't have to worry about the pickups now. Thank you guys so much for... That's why you guys are awesome. Um, I would look for... Ocean Turquoise, I don't, I've never seen any problems with that paint job. So sometimes you worry about that. Um, when you say 60s, again, I don't know if you mean it's a 60s one I don't, or as a reissue. But either way, I would follow that sheet. Because uh, again, it's tough on these kind of videos because I'm not looking at stuff. So, sorry. I'm just reading some of the guys' comments just to make sure 
I'm on the same page as everybody else. I am. Okay, cool. So that's what I would do. I will put a link to that video in that sheet that will help you. And then let me know how, how it goes, if that helped you at all, Pedro. Uh, and then if not, what's great is I've been updating those sheets based on you guys' feedback. So there you go. Because, uh, you know, yeah, everybody's learning something new. Somebody teaches me something every week. Uh, Bruce Collins says, bought a cheap Mexican Strat to learn and to work on. Adjusting the string height on the E-string saddle was almost all the way down. Neck is straight. Strings did a, The strings did adjust to spec. What that would that be normal? Okay. Again, this is where I think we're going to have to probably do one of these a, a week or one of these a month now in my shop so I can look at stuff. Because again, it's tough when we're just talking about it. So basically what you're describing to me is that you have the, you see, you said E string and I, you said height of the E string. Again, I don't know if it's the high or low E, so that would help me. Adjusting the string height of the E string saddle was almost all the way down, which is not a good thing because again, you don't want it to be flat against the, the trim of the plate. Um, I usually want a little bit of a break angle because you want to, you know, you want to get some tension over that uh, for the string. Uh, the neck is straight. The strings did adjust to spec. Would that be normal? Uh, well, it's not n normal, but it's not abnormal in the idea that I, I haven't, you haven't seen that before, but it's not ideal. That's better than th to say it that way. It's not ideal because you got, again, you want a little bit of tilt on those, on those, um, saddles because that's going to help uh the only way of course to get that now would be to most likely with the guitar either if it has a micro tilt or a shim you'd have to shim the neck to tilt the neck up a little bit so again you have to increase those saddle height that would help the other thing is i don't know where your base your base plate of your this is why i said it's tough when i'm doing this verbally not visually because i have to kind of run through my head of all the things that I, you would look at sometimes what happens is your saddle might be all the way down because your bridge is sitting too high off the body the plate. So that's another adjustment you want to make sure that you're making, right? So again, this is a hard thing to do without seeing it. But uh, but if you're getting good results and you're not having any buzzing issues and you're not having any sitar effects, you're doing well. Although I'd like to see, I always like the saddles, like I said, not against the plate. If it's working fine, I would say it work with it. But also take note to what I said about the plate. Make sure that the plate is the whole bridge itself is not so high. That's why you're doing that. And that's an easy fix. You could lower that bridge just a little bit and then raise that saddle. And again, I like those saddles just a little bit up so you can get a better break angle. Um, Fox the Hound. Fox, like Fox phonetically. Fox the Hound says thoughts on Epiphone 59 Les Paul. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not a 59 Les Paul guy. The next kind of chunky, they sound great. And what I mean by that is I'm not a Gibson 59 Les Paul guy. So because I'm not a 59 Gibson Les Paul guy, I'm not a big Gibson Epiphone 59 Les Paul. Um, so my thoughts on it are, you know, if it's something you like, I think it's great. But the necks are just too thick for me. Um, I like a little bit of a chunky neck. Like I said, Goldilocks syndrome. I like the neck a little chunky, but not too thin, but definitely not too thick. And those are usually too thick. Although, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, the Epiphone 59 always seemed a little thinner. The neck seemed a little thinner and better, better to me than the actual Gibson neck. Uh, not as, not as deep, uh, deep thickness. Easy to read name says, <laughs> see, I got that. You're right. Uh, Hey, Phil for playability, what kind of guitar and setup 
strings, action, et cetera, would you recommend for experimenting with alternate tunings? You know, that's a great question, uh, especially for alternate tunings. So for me, if you're going to do alternate tunings, I would definitely recommend a guitar with a 25 and a half inch scale. And the reason is, is because if you go with 24 and three quarters, if you start down tuning and doing some weird tunings, it's not as easy to deal with. So first thing I would say is if you're going to do a get a guitar or use a guitar for alternate tunings, I would definitely go with something with a longer scale, 25 and a half. Again, not long scale, just longer than 24 and three quarters. The other thing is uh, I would recommend that you use a uh, guitar with a hardtail, no tremolo. Again, you're, we're looking for easy. You said, what do I recommend? The guitars that I use for that are are easy to mess with. It uh, would be a hardtail as well because you don't have to worry about adjusting the strings, uh, springs and all that stuff. Um, you said strings in action. Well, first of all, if you're going to do a lot of alternate tunings, you don't want your action slammed against the uh, the uh, fretboard. You want to have a little height there, something comfortable that you can play, but maybe not too high because you don't want too high, but definitely don't want it low because that's going to be a problem when you're adjusting. Because when you're going to do alternative tunings, you're going to be tuning some strings down and some strings up. Strings, um, and you said strings, it depends. I mean, alternate tunings to me are like dad gad, uh, you know, open E, um, you know, open G, um, drop D, um, what else? I mean, uh, you know, you can down, go down a full step. Uh, if you're into Tremonti, he's got a bazillion weird ones, <laughs> which he probably got from like Zeppelin and all those other people. Um, so I like tens, tens will work for that. I don't have to go crazy 11s or, uh, but I, I wouldn't suggest nines, uh, for doing alternate turning tunings. I would do something tens. It'll, they'll take more abuse. So say, Hey, Al John's in the house. Hey, Al John, how's it going? I hope you saw, uh, I, I liked my, uh, the Epiphone best in show and Al John might enjoy this. Uh, my new Les Paul, <laughs> which I'm, I'm, like I said, you guys are going to, you're going to dig. It's different. Um, let's see. Michael says, uh, home studio player looking for wireless headphones that won't lag. I guess they're, I guess that's a gear question. LOL. Hate the cord hanging, playing, uh, with my VST on my Mac. Uh, thanks for the name coverage. Love the show. Cool. Um, wireless headphones. That's a tough thing, man. I don't know. Cause I remember I don't use headphones <laughs> that sucks. Cause you super chatted. So let's see if I can help you a little bit. Everyone I know right now loves, uh, the Katana stuff. I haven't tried it, but man, I mean, even Steve, I loved it. I mean, it's like everybody seems to like those things. Um, they are, they're wireless. So something like that would be really cool. Um, other than that, I understand what you're saying. Lag. Oh, that's what I was going to tell you. Um, so on the Waza ones, everybody says the lot, the lag is really, really, really short. Right. Um, so I understand what you're saying on the wireless headphones. Uh, my, I already don't like headphones when they're a cord. So wireless ones are even worse for me. The, the other thing though, you have another option. If you don't want to use a cord, use our uh, head wireless because of lag. Don't forget you can get a cord extender. I know that sounds silly. You know what I mean? I always say you probably thought of this already, but a cord extender is what I would use. Um, I would use twice the cable because then I could run it behind me. So I like to run everything behind me when I'm playing guitars. If I have a wireless lapel on anything, I usually run everything behind me um, uh, or just run it through your shirt. <laughs> I know that sounds again, silly, but it's much easier to get it out of the way. Just get it out of the way. So there you go. The other thing too, is so, you know, is you can use wireless units with your headphones, but again, uh, you know, if you're sensitive to the lag of a wireless unit, I, I would stay away from them. 
Um, some people can enjoy wireless units, units with the lag and uh, they don't care, but you're saying you're sensitive to it. I'm sensitive to it too. If there's any bit of a lag, it just really, it changes my mindset from being creative and having fun to slightly frustrated. TWF seven, eight, four, seven. <laughs> uh, it's like, I feel like a, a cop. Uh, yeah, we have a TWF seven, eight, four, seven. Anyways, uh, he says, Hey Phil, I'm missing out on buying a Freeman BE 100 deluxe over my current PVJSX head. So am I missing out? Uh, well, you, that's to me, two, two things, man. This is a tough question. Here's why. First, the B100 is a totally different animal than the JS uh, head, the JSX, the JSS, JSX, which is the Joe Satrani PB head. That thing's like high gain, really kind of, you know, uh, that saturated 5150 on steroids kind of sound. In fact, it always reminds me more of the 5150 stealth kind of thing, but really saturated, of course, has a noise gate, different animal to me uh, in sound wise. So the other thing is, is even if you bought your JSX new, which is possible but not likely use man you get those things for a song made in usa you can get them for five hundred dollars uh you know i think maybe eight hundred dollars but i've seen them as low as like four hundred dollars so you can get deals a b100 is a it's a brick of cash man <laughs> so uh, so are you missing out by uh, uh out buying a freeman over the current gsx well let me tell you you have uh if you have the money for a b100 you now have a brick of cash in your pocket. Um, me personally, I, I lend myself more to that sound, the Friedman sound, uh, than the JSX. So, but you don't have to go with the B100. You can go with the the small, the, the B50, right? There's a B small box 50. So it depends on what feature set you want. I know the JSX has a lot of features. Again, PV made in USA was a hard company to beat in that time frame when it was around. Um, 5150s, JSX. Um, I mean, there was a ton of them. I mean, you know, uh, what, I, I know there was like the triple X, but that was not main USA. Not that it wasn't, it wasn't a good amp. It was, um, but there was a lot of products coming out. Uh, was it the 3120? Is that what I'm trying to think of? Right. There was another amp that was really good. You just can't beat those amps for the price. So I would prefer the Freeman B100. Are you missing out, not buying it? Well, because the price difference, I just don't know what to tell you, man. Because again, that's a they're it's like hey, you know, it's a lot of money. And the PV is a good amp, JSX is a good amp. I almost bought one two or three times because of the deals. You can get the deals. Uh, Greg Peterson says, Have you ever checked out Trogley's guitar show? I have, I know Trogley. I met him, uh, well, I haven't met him personally, but I've talked to him in uh, correspondence. He's a Gibson expert, he's very into Gibsons, that is for sure. <laughs> and uh, and that's what's great, yes, yes. Uh, and and I think eventually the inevitability, uh, um, uh, the inevitability of his channel is I think he's going to delve more into the vintage stuff than he even does now. And I think that's will be more exciting. So his channel is growing at a rate. You know, it's it's great because what I like about Trogley's channel is I call it gear centric. He's a gear centric channel. I like to think of myself as a gear centric channel. In other words, really focused on um, not only entertaining you guys, but trying to hopefully uh, learn something, whether I teach it to you or I learn it and you watch me learn it. The it's almost like a Sunday special or an after school special. I want to entertain you. I think Trogley is doing the same thing. I, he wants to entertain you. That's why we, we, you know, we try to do this. It's fun. It's a fun gig, man, to, to entertain people, but it's really fun. If at, while they're being entertained, 
they can learn a little something. Um, and uh, or you can pass on some kind of uh, either knowledge or experience, like have an experience. That's why that's why, like I said, you don't have to be an expert in a field. You can teach people by just them watching you make horrible mistakes. Sometimes that's the best, right? I'd rather watch somebody else make their mistakes and learn from them than, you know, do it myself. So that's, what's great about YouTube. You can be that kind of channel. And Trogly is a channel where he's passing on a lot of information. It's really cool stuff too. Plus he's entertaining. And that's where I said gear centric. It's tough, right? It's tough to be entertaining and still want to do something. Right. So I love Trogly's channel. So yes, uh, absolutely. In fact, I'll index it and put a link to it before. Uh, or, or put a link in the index, of course. Um, and I'm hoping to eventually do something with him. He, he had mentioned that, you know, a collab. And I was like, I'm, I'm totally up for it. And I would like to do something um, crazy. <laughs> That's what I'd like to do. Something crazy. Uh, something that I can't do and maybe he can't do. Uh, and then come together. So if you guys have great suggestions, send them to me and then I'll take credit. I'm just kidding. I will always give a shout out. Uh, James Biles. Hey, James, what's up, buddy? Uh, he just super chat for no reason. Greg again said, feel free. I get it. He's just saying that I didn't have to talk about Trogly, but that's really cool of you because I get it. Some people are like, are you sensitive about that? No, man. I love, as you guys see, when I meet other YouTube channels, I love interacting with the other channels. Um, uh, the, the reality is, is I always kind of uh, tell people when I went to the first GitCon, my biggest problem was, uh, you know, at that point, I think I had a hundred thousand subs when I went to the first GitCon, which is why this is funny. Maybe this, some of the channels watching this, maybe this will help you because it sure was weird to me. <laughs> when I went to the first GitCon in 2017 of October, I had a hundred thousand subscribers and I had trouble talking to the channels because I had been watching them for the last two, three years. And I think they kind of saw me now looking back with the, with the experience, they saw me as a peer because uh, a lot of them, I had more subscribers than them, but you know what? That's all. That doesn't matter. Your subscribers are not what's relevant. Um, what's relevant is the engagement, how well people engage with what you're doing. And, and, and that's what's relevant. But anyway, so back to the, 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 the subscriber thing is just to impress companies. Uh, so good, good for them. But more importantly, I had trouble talking to channels because I was in uh what do you call it? I was a, a fanboying. You know what I mean? Uh, Trey Xavier from gear gods. I couldn't even talk to him. I was like, this is Trey Xavier from gear gods. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what's funny was, uh, the reason I tell you that is, um, is that when Greg just said, you know, I didn't have to mention Trogly. What's great is, is I understand what he's saying. He's saying, Hey, look, he knows that I may not want to put focus on another channel, but I do. I want to focus on other channels. I, I here's why. And I hopefully, and we'll kind of end with a couple more questions on this and we'll end cause we're going long again, but that's okay. Here's what I want to tell you guys. Uh, something I learned in the retail industry uh, that luckily the retail industry thinks they're in competition with each other and you are to some degree, but really what hurt the guitar industry was not paying attention to iPads, not paying attention to the, to the video game industry, not paying attention, you know, Hey, your local music store that teaches guitar lessons, they're not fighting with other guitar lesson studios. They're fighting with the karate shops. And again, nothing against karate. They're fighting with the dance shops. They're fighting with the other things that people can put their disposable money into. And so, although, you know, you, you do have to be aware that you have competitors in your own industry. You have to understand that you're competing outside your industry. And sometimes those industries are a lot bigger. The reason I tell you that speech is to remind you this. I would rather you guys watch Trogly if you're not going to watch me or watch Dovey Doss or watch Happy Fun Time. I can't say the rest of their shit pedal show name. 
<laughs> or, or 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 the Tone King, and I can just keep going, or Henning, or whatever, right? We'll just keep going. I, I'm sorry, Ben Combs, Ben Coombs. I'll even say his name right, Ben Coombs. I would rather watch that than go watch Will Smith or or Shark Week or Jack Black because that's the real competition on YouTube right now. Is that is that channels like us that talk about gear and build these communities? I get it, man. I'm no different than you guys. I'm watching. Uh, uh, Daryl Braun guitar. And then when I'm watching him, I'm like, that was great. And the next video suggested is, uh, Jimmy Kimmel live. And the next thing I know, I'm learning about Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Kimmel lives interviewing some person. I don't even care. And I'm watching that. So reason I tell you that Greg is, I appreciate your, uh, highlighting, uh, Trogley. And then of course, I also appreciate that you, you know, want to make sure that I'm protected, but realistically guys, I really hope that you guys, uh, if you love guitar like me, you're watching the other channels too. I think you can get different opinions. That helps. I think you can learn from the crossovers. That also helps. But more importantly, I think that as long as we acknowledge the other guitar channels, big, small, and size, we're growing a community instead of what will probably eventually happen at some point, which is YouTube will take over our, our community. That's what's going to happen. Because YouTube, they don't care what you watch. They just want you to watch. And if they think you're going to watch... Um, you know, uh, whatever crazy news thing is happening that day or whatever, they don't care. They don't care if it's guitars. They don't care if it's Shark Week. I know I, I don't know why I'm picking on Shark Week. I like Shark Week, but you get the idea. So there you go. I thought that was fun, something to talk about. So uh, yeah, anytime I can su suggest another channel, I, I definitely want to. Um, get this. I finally learned how to say this name. <laughs> Upside down, whatever. It's I always say ump op three plin ups but it's upside down something so i learned that you know actually where i learned that on uh ben coombs channel i was watching it and i think he said it right and i was like oh that's how you say that name so <laughs> see i learned something on the ben coombs channel <laughs> so i learned learned that right away see that was cool uh what affordable luthier tools would you recommend that aren't stew mac that's a great question that was a high high focus at me at the nam show i spent so much time specifically doing that because I really feel like, and this is what I was telling a lot of companies, I, I feel like Stumac is like the highest, most expensive tools you can get your hands on. And then the Amazon tools are like the cheapest tools you can get your hand on. And is there other tools? Well, first of all, let me give you some suggestions. I obviously like Music Nomad tools. Very good stuff. Definitely in the middle of those two price points, something to consider. I also like Crimson Guitars tools. Again, slightly less than some of the Stumac stuff. Very, very good. Okay, is another stuff. Um, but what I will say on just, just a couple suggestions to get you going, but what I'm telling you is I'm hyper-focused this year to find the best, most affordable tools. And if that just means that the best one still is Mac tool, then I'll just suggest that. But if it means I can save you some bucks by pointing you down to a, uh, an Amazon tool for $3, I will do that like I've done in the past. I mean, I've, I've even showed you guys how to use dollar store stuff. Because I, again, the problem I've had in the past is I, I, before I had this channel, I only used Mac tools because I was making a living repairing guitars. And like a rock star who isn't going to trust bad cables on a stage in front of 50,000 people. I wasn't going to trust bad tools working on somebody's guitar when it's my, you know, it's, it's my living. So I like Stu Mac for that reason, but there's a lot of you guys who are just trying to improve your instruments and you don't need to spend, you know, $50 on a file and then $10 to ship it. I totally get that. And that's why I've been hyper-focused to find something a little bit more in line. So we'll continue that. If you're a company and you see this video and, uh, and uh, you can uh, you can uh, you have more affordable uh, tools. Let me know. Reach out to me. I would love to uh, highlight more affordable tools. Um, Raymond says, 
when will our guitars zero to six be considered considered vi vintage? Um, that's a great one. And let me switch back over to the screen, uh, to the other screen. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's a timeline, right? It's like 20 years or whatever, whatever it is for vintage, but I don't think that's how it works anymore. I think vintage is more of a feeling, you know what I mean? We people feel something is vintage. Um, and that's how I look at it. I don't know. Cause think about this. Technically, I think at this point, aren't eighties guitars supposed to be really vintage and early nineties guitars now are technically in the vintage vein. Again, I could be off on the years. I don't remember the rules. I think I'm going off something I heard once in cars, you know, in the cars, once a car is 20 years old, it's like vintage, but I don't think it's that easy. <laughs> right. I think there has to be a, uh, 25 years for antique. Thank you, Tom. That's great. So 25 years for antique, right? But my point is, is um, I don't really look at that, you know, certain things as vintage. Ah, Raymond says a lot of 80s guitars are bad, though. Well, so, you know, Raymond, this is what's funny. A lot of 50s and 60s and 70s guitars are bad. Uh, that's what's funny about vintage guitars. We we fall in. That's what's funny about that. That's what happens. It's almost like, yes, a lot of that stuff is great. But then a lot of it gets this vintage thing and it's not bad anymore. But it was because I've worked on them and some of them are really horrible. Some 70s eras guitars not only aren't good, <laughs> they're put together horrible. You know, like they're like plywood construction. There's all kinds of shenanigans that went on. It, it happens all the time. The crap that happens now happened then too. So, uh, so there you go. Somebody says a hundred years of antiques. Well, maybe we'll solve that next week. <laughs> so, yeah, see, Greg K says many 70s guitars were a mess. Yeah, well, let me tell you, I, I know vintage guitars are cool, but I know they're not great. Here's how I know they're not great. Because sometimes when people bring them in my shop, I'd be like, oh. you, because I'm like, I knew it was going to be a ton of work. Just your ton of, you're just working because, you know, some of them aren't great. <laughs> and what's worse is sometimes people would buy a vintage guitar online and they bring it in for service and they'd be like, it's not playing great. And they, they think it's going to play great because it's this vintage guitar and they think you're going to dial it in. And then you do your best and they're like, it's still not great. And I'm like, well, that's because just because it's a vintage style guitar doesn't mean it's great. There's a reason why certain people have vintage guitars won't let them go. I've met dudes that their guitars are worth, you know, 50 grand. They will not sell them because they're that, they play that great. Me, I'd put a kid through college, <laughs> right? If I had a guitar with 50 grand, I'd be like, good news, kids. <laughs> I'm not financing college. I'm going to put that as a down payment. But everybody has a different kind of, you know, uh, everybody's different. So, um, and then we're going to end on this one. It says, Emilio says, upgrading Harley Benton's worth it or, or, or do I wait for better? Um, I think the the advice I would use when you're upgrading inexpensive guitars is, is it's the best way to learn how to upgrade instruments is on the inexpensive guitars. Harley Benton's a great guitar. You could look at it like if you're putting good money after bad by fixing it up, but also you're also learning something if you do it. What I don't think is valuable is taking inexpensive guitars to have people fix them up. I don't know what value you're going to get out of that because the labor is going to kill you. The parts, you know, are, are going to be expensive and you're never going to get that money back. If you do it yourself, and you use what I call non-marring parts. In other words, parts that can be removed. Um, I think you can fix up a guitar, learn how to do that, and then remove some of the parts back. And when you sell it off, you know, you'll you'll know better for the next one. And it'll help you understand. That's another thing too. It's another thing that'll help you understand the next guitar and how it's better. You know what I mean? So that's that helps too, I hope. That, that's, that's my advice on that. And then on my list, before I go, uh, I mentioned... Uh, 
let's see, I mentioned the clinic. Uh, I mentioned the uh, interview. Check that out. I think I hit everything. Re reachable. Uh, let you guys know again the phone number. We did it. We got through all the list and we got through all the questions. And we went an hour and a half. And I have 30 minutes to get to uh, Larry Mitchell's clinic, which I'll be fine. So uh, those of you guys uh, understand, obviously, it won't be indexed until late tonight because I'm going to go see Larry at the clinic. He's my buddy and he's amazing. If you're in Mesa, go check him out. I would definitely do that. Um, and then Daniel on a last note says, Daniel Crow says, hey, true, but who makes parts for Harley Benton guitars? Well, what's great is there's 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 adapter parts now. If you pay, if you're really looking like like I told you with with the hip shots and the uh, ratio keys where they have plates, um, you know, some of the potentiometers and stuff. What's great about what's great about import guitars is usually um, the problem with putting better parts in like potentiometers or output jacks is, is that they're really drilling like eight millimeter holes and then you need 10 millimeter, 10 millimeter holes so yeah, twice as fast. And so what happens is you, you need to, you have to ream that out or drill it out. I would ream them out, but you can drill them out as well. And then what happens is, yeah, you can't return it back to eight millimeters, but if you put the original parts in with a washer, eight millimeter part will go back into a till. 10 millimeter hole so there are ways you can do that it gets a little tricky on the bridges sometimes i understand that but again if you look at the parts world out there there's a part for almost everything and there's all kinds of weird adapter plates and stuff that you can use so which is uh yeah and see john says upgrading guitars is a hobby by itself i absolutely agree and that's another thing don't do it if you don't like it <laughs> right don't upgrade your guitar you know yourself if you don't enjoy it i i always enjoyed it i always like working on a guitar i like taking something and i've always enjoyed working on the cheaper guitars because to me it's like taking something that's not so great making it better it was very satisfying taking something that was already great making it a little better it's not as satisfying to me so it's like yeah so i mean it's still cool but it's not as satisfying so there you go um and then Tom says 815 people watching 265 likes hit, hit the likes guys. I appreciate it. If you guys hit the likes also subscribe, if you're not subscribing, I will make sure I index it on that note. We will take, we will continue on next Friday and uh, I will give you guys updates. Lots of content. You might be noticing if you notice like almost a video a day that'll probably go on for the next couple of weeks. Cause I have a lot of content. I have nine videos still to release out from the NAM show, including the interviews with, uh, uh, Mike Saldano and Steve, I, and, uh, and a bunch of others that are really exciting. Uh, so guys look for that. I'd appreciate that. And as always, I'm going to leave you guys now, but before I go, before I go, I got to tell you two things real quick. Uh, well, I just got to tell you one thing. I just want to do a shout out to some of the patrons. First, we have Chris at the guitar pit. It's a great channel. Check his channel out. Pedal pal effects, Jonathan Pickering, uh, Michael Lidner, Paul strike, Tim Camacho, Kermit Jackson, Brian Stewart. Also check out the live wires. Brian Stewart's got a channel live wires every Sunday. Ah, Wednesday. Told you my days are messed up. The live wires live. Uh, great, great hangout, man. I love, I love it. I get to listen to it now in the car, which is great. I download it, listen to it. Anthony Desposito, uh, Lonnie Hoke, Craig Parker, Dinner, Dennis Prescott, Greg Peterson, Zesty Basil Pizza, Tim Fonsworth, Todd Flowers. Thank you for commenting today, Todd. Bob Crosley, Muse guitarist, Chief Squatch, Sam Oram, Gary Phillips, Bruce Collins, Alasdair McLeod, Michael Mooney, Derek Miller, Jason Nagler. David Foy, Rob Murtha, Lawrence Petros. You guys know him. He makes pedals. <laughs> he makes really good pedals, but he makes pedals. F Crew, Chris from New Mexico. Um, James Biles, Jose Benito Martinez Jr. Um, Mar uh, Martin Lee, Leahy, Leahy. Sorry, I told Martin I'd get it right. Martin Leahy, uh, DPB, Kimball Johnson, GK. Hold on, I got a couple more. 
because I put it in two categories this time. I hope you guys understand. And oh, great. It didn't separate it for me. But hold on. I have a patron that I need to mention because he's new. And if I would push the right thing, it is. Oh, you know what? And I lost my sheet. I was going to say it's on my sheet. It's uh, Declan McMullen. Thank you, Declan. He's a new uh, patron for the for the live show. I appreciate you. And I think I missed a couple, but I will make sure to scoop you guys back up next week and talk about it. As always, guys, I want to thank you so much. If I missed any super chats, I will make sure that they're the first ones I address next week. Um, if I missed any at the last minute, as always, guys, I want to thank you so much. I uh, hope to see you at the uh, clinic and I'll see you next week.